Welcome to Breaking Down the Podcast. I'm not even going to try and remember what episode number this is. It doesn't matter. We're just really happy you're here and listening. I'm Edie. And this is Mia. And today we're joined by some really rad people. We have two guests today, so it's an extra special episode. Wait, this is the first time I've ever done two people, huh? Dude, okay. So I want to introduce cordially... Two best friends that we've had the pleasure of meeting semi-recently. We have a clinician named Danielle Nelson, licensed clinical social worker, and Lily Rogers. And they're very dynamic, and they love each other, and they have just a really... I just can't wait for this podcast that they are launching. What is it called? It's called It's a Shame. And by the way, that's the best intro that, I mean, I feel like I have so much to live up to right now. I feel, <laughs> I feel really professional and excited. Yeah. Yeah. So it's called It's a Shame. And have you guys started yet? What a great question. Um, so speaking of shame, we have not started. So uh, the idea behind the podcast was um, kind of born out of conversation. Mm-hmm between the two of us. Yeah. So, you know, we realized that we were just having like these really like dynamic and interesting conversations between the two of us and uh, really centered around the concept of shame. And we thought like, we kind of need to do something more with this because, you know, although it's helping us and our friendship to grow, um, we, we really wanted to explore it in a different way. And it kind of became like this curiosity because we would talk about things and there would be this point at which, we would get so much kind of relief in uniting over something, you know, this idea that, oh, I did this and I feel really badly about it, or I've done that, or I know someone who's done that. And so it just kind of thought about thinking about it on a macro level. It was like, what if we could share this information with a lot of people and have a lot of people go, oh my God, this is common. Somebody else has been through this. I'm not alone in this. Um, and just kind of destigmatizing a lot of the shit we carry around, you know? Totally. And I think I think it's, we were talking about Brene Brown before we started recording, um, but I think her quote is something around the lines of shame can't survive speaking it um, mm. and it survives in secrecy. So I really love this idea of, being able to, in an outlet that's super accessible and people can listen to it on their own if they're still feeling like scared or secretive about something that they're shameful about, being able to like pop it on in the car when they're driving and be like, oh my God, other people have experienced this thing that I've been holding inside of me for so long and hopefully will lead them to get some more freedom from it. Yeah. And it's so funny that you say that because I just heard that quote from her today and it was like, you know, about like silence secrecy and judgment is like the petri dish of shame and how it can like Mm. fester. And I feel like shame is something that definitely does that. It festers. And like, if you allow it to do that, it can grow in like really horrible ways that you don't even know are like poisoning you from the inside. And I liked that she said, um, empathy breaks that. Mm -hmm. And like, you can't, shame can't survive that petri dish if you introduce empathy into it. And I think that that was one of the things that was most interesting when Danielle and I were talking so much was that like, because she's a very empathetic person and just like having her echo some of those things of like, I've been through that or I've been through something similar. It was like, oh, wait, I can let this go a little bit. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. 
I also love the idea that like if somebody were to listen to an episode and they had a girlfriend or uh, whatever that has been through something similar, they could be like, you have to listen to this podcast and you need to listen to episode blank because it's all about that thing that you've been carrying around for years and you need to let go of. You oh know? man, I can't wait to share with my clients. I know, same. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like I, can we start it yesterday so yeah. that I can start promoting this? With- Come on, guys. <laughs> but podcasting is scary. And I think, you know, Mia and I, mostly Mia, was like, when I was like, I kind of have this idea. I'm really interested in doing it. I don't want to do it by myself. I'd love you to do it with me. I had thought maybe like six months, a year from then we would do it. And she was like, three days later, she's like, my friend's ready to do it and we're recording. And we started recording on my phone and the sound quality of the first season is horrific and I don't like to listen back. Shame. Um, (laughs) But I've talked about it more and more and I'm so much happier that it's out there for people to consume if they feel like they want to rather than not releasing anything because it's not quote unquote perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of that, I used to have a lot of shame about my impulsivity. Now I'm very excited about it and happy about it. And look, what would happen if I didn't have such impulsivity? We probably maybe wouldn't have started at the time that we did. Totally. Do you think it'd be helpful to just briefly give a background of maybe the difference between guilt and shame, or I don't know, do yeah. people even know what the difference is? I could give my definition or. Yeah. So from what I know, I guess it's not my definition. I've just learned this throughout the years since what, 2013 when I learned about Brene, but um, it's a, sh- um, okay. So what I'm understanding is that guilt is the idea that you've done something bad. Shame is the uh, feeling or the idea that I am bad. Yeah, correct. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I think that's it. It's like super simple. And I think this goes, I think shame infiltrates pretty much every person in some way mm-hmm. or another. There's, I don't think there's, I've never met a person who is not at some point said those things like I'm so bad for, or mm-hmm. I'm a horrible person because, right? Yeah. When really it's like, okay, we all make mistakes and guilt is a normal response to that, but why are we internalizing it? And then- It becomes a piece of your identity, yeah. right? It becomes like bigger than- just like this thing where it's like, oh, I made a mistake and I, I can't set it down. Like you you were saying the difference between feeling guilty and then shame is the ownership. Shame is like, oh, this is my shame coat. I'm putting it on. I'm wearing it. This is who I am now. And that's the heartbreaking piece. That's the awful piece. That's the scary fucked up piece we want to destroy. You yeah. know, it's like, take that coat off. Well, and then also comparing yourself to other people because there are so many people that like you perceive as, for lack of a better word, shameless and that's not the case. Everybody has it and holds it. Some people are just better at hiding it or or they've been working on it and found ways to kind of reframe it in, and live healthily with their shame uh, or a little, a little bit more healthily, I guess. Um, but yeah, so that's something else too that we really wanted to say like, hey, everybody has this and appearances aren't what they seem all the time. Yeah. And actually you just triggered in my head this idea of the word shameless actually being a negative thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Like she's so shameless, like she mm-hmm. has no, you know, hold on herself or whatever it is. Or the show Shameless is all about people who are doing pretty gnarly things. Yeah. Right. And Shame it's is like this thing that keeps, you know, you in check, which yeah. there's this angle that, you know, the podcast will pretty heavily come from, which is a feminist angle, because shame is such a powerful tool uh, that's kind of used against women systemically. I mean, there you should have shame about this, shame about that. It controls behavior and it also drives the economy, right? I mean, if I feel shameful about how shitty my body is in A, B, C, D way, I'm going to buy mascara and I'll probably get that whatever and the this and the that. And I mean, Mm -hmm. it's a vicious cycle. Uh, I mean, I 
could go on a whole tangent about yeah. that. <laughs> That's a whole different episode. Yeah, no, but like diet culture and like yes. how that it's a billion dot multi-billion dollar corporation that's built on making you feel like you're not enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's also like cobwebbed itself into everything. Yeah, it's like beauty products and how they all like smell like foods. So don't eat the food, just slather it on your body. Like <laughs> so, so weird. That's so that's or very like true. You're watching like a, a like a ranch dressing salad commercial and it's just like you don't know if it's like softcore or if it's like ranch dressing. It's like the woman like sensuously like going, tonight it's just me and the salad. You know, and it's like, is this sex? Is this food? Is sex food? I don't know. Yeah. All the same. There's I think it's an entire Instagram handle or maybe it's Twitter, but it's called women eating salad and it's just all of those stock photos yeah. of women like laughing and eating salad but they're it's never like eating it yeah. if they're just holding it near yeah. their mouth and it's like so funny this carrot <laughs> it's so satisfying i'm full yeah. after like a bite <laughs> it's hilarious crying eating salad yeah. yeah you should start that instagram maybe i think it would go sad take salad. off yes yeah, <laughs> or the inverse of when people are eating a square of dove chocolate in the ads and it is it's like are we having oral sex with the chocolate or are we just <laughs> having it? Like, can we just put it in your mouth? Like, what's going on? You don't need foreplay with yeah. your chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, mom. <laughs> Cunnilingus chocolate? It's cunnilicious. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> now you feel shame about that? No, I feel shame. Oh, no. I would love to get into some of maybe like the overarching ideas that you guys have about like certain topics that you, I don't want to like take away from your podcast at all, but maybe kind of do some little tidbits of like, if people are like, well, shame's such a huge topic. Like how would you even start to break that down? Like, do you guys have any ideas around that? Yeah. I mean, I think because it's such a huge topic, we can really span things from like the smallest bits of shame to like the things that, so let me, let me back up. I think that shame is something that increases the older you get, but tends to kind of lodge itself in when you're really young. Mm -hmm. So like those bigger overarching shame themes in your life seem to be things that like you held on to from like your early development. I'm not a clinician. I am a lay person here, so I don't actually know, but that's just my experience anyway. And then I think that as we get older and we try to, you know, go to therapy and deal with our shame issues, they things still sneak in, even if it's not like the bigger things. So I think from the smallest aspects of shame to the biggest aspects, we kind of want to cover everything. And I think that the the way that we want to do that is each episode is going to be one specific topic. Oh, I love and kind of unpack that, yeah. you know, each time. And have like special guests, I mean, and people who can talk about something they've been through or even work something out. Because the thing that we've noticed just with our friends is, you know, we'll start talking about shame and then, you know, Lily or I will disclose things that we're shameful about. And every single woman I meet is like, oh my God, or like the time that I da 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 da, you know, and it's like, how wonderful would it be to have other people on the podcast to talk about it and talk about how they carried it. And also the, the more important part is how do we free ourselves from it, right? Like what actions do we take and how do we kind of form a community of empathy, you know, mm-hmm. to kind of say, that. you know. Yeah, because we definitely want to talk about our own personal experiences, but I, I want to use this as an opportunity for us both to learn. And you learn best when you talk to other people and hear other people's experiences. And so, you know, there will be things that come up that other people will inform us about that we wouldn't even consider thinking about being shameful about because, you know, everybody has their own uh, 
experience with it, but I think that, yeah, bringing our own experience from the beginning will probably mm -hmm. be like the, the way we start, but yeah. definitely hearing from other people and yeah, growing that community, like you said. It's fun. It's funny to think about because like, this is kind of the precursor to the podcast because I mean, right now it's, it's like a little zygote, you know what I mean? Like of a podcast, it's, it's like, I can't even say it's in an, it's infancy. Um, so it's fun to think about it abstractly and to know that moving forward, there is some excitement about it, you know, other than us. Mm, I'm definitely excited. <laughs> yeah. I'm so excited. It makes me feel so much better just knowing that, uh, 10 minutes ago when I was walking around little Italy to the day 10 months ago, I left my marriage. And so I was thinking about like, wow, I'm in Little Italy, a place where I've had dinners with my husband hundreds of times. And I felt so shameful about the fact that um, I just texted him right now saying how much I miss him. Mm -hmm. you know, and like normally that would have been something that would have been so secret, like just because I've, I know that feedback from friends might have been not so stoked on that that action that I just took. I, I wasn't saying, hey, let's let's not get divorced. I was saying, just feel like I need to say what's actually on my mind right now. Um, mm -hmm. And so it's just kind of nice to actually use a platform like this for the whole world to hear <laughs> so that I don't have to feel as bad about it. Absolutely not. Because, I mean, even as you're saying that, I mean, I'm thinking back to arguments I've had with friends and then like on a special day, texting them about, you know, something that happened. And then I remember, and even if I don't get a response, it's so crazy because you did it for you. You know what I mean? And it's, it's kind of, it's, it's sad that you would carry shame about it because it's really not even about him in a way. It's about you having those feelings mm -hmm. and saying like, Hey, I just want you to know I'm aware of this. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no shame in that. No, totally. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> And I think, too, it's like this idea that if we were the ones to end a relationship, whether that's familiar, intimate friendship, that we aren't allowed to then have grief, mm -hmm. um, which is so wrongly, I think, supported in our society, right? It's yeah. like you broke up with them, like you can't feel sad. And it's like there's a lot of reasons people end relationships, again, whether it's with family members or friends or partners that are complicated. And it's not just like, I have no feelings for you. I'm numb towards you anymore. If that's going on, there's probably something else happening. Yeah. Mm -hmm. right? It's a false narrative. I mean, there's, it's not black or white. It's not a light switch. Don't turn it off and turn it on. It's emotions, it's feelings, it's people, timelines. It's complicated, you know, and it ebbs and flows. So, and yeah, a lot of the reason I don't think I would have probably told people until this moment was because I do sometimes feel like I hear the mentality of like, well, you made your bed. Mm, fucking yeah. lie in it now. Yeah. It's just like, uh, thank you for saying that because it's a little more complicated than just I made my bed, you know? Yeah. I mean, and I think it's, we all have those things where it's like we get really hung up on it. We play that narrative over and over and over and over and again in our heads, like whether it's something that happened between friends, partners, in session for me, I know, I was just talking about this before we started recording too, of like, I will make a mistake and then I'll perseverate on it. And like, it, then it's, I'm not present in the room, mm -hmm. right? Versus yeah. just being like, it's normal to make mistakes and move forward, right? Yeah. So I think that it's, this topic is, I mean, it's so vast. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it, we're just human, right? I mean, and it's almost like sometimes when I try to zoom out, I'm like, you know, there's room for a lot of things and shame just isn't one of them. 
Really, honestly, yeah. especially, I mean, I was going to say like, you know, if you're doing nonviolent things, but then I think about people who intentionally do kind of violent behaviors and typically they don't have the capability for empathy anyway. So I would venture to say the majority of the people carrying around shame are people that are probably super empathic mm -hmm. with other people. They're just wearing that, you know, themselves and that breaks my heart, you know? Yeah. I think, I mean, I think you just nailed it. And this idea too, that it's like, if you hurt someone, whether it was intentional or unintentional, right? If you care enough to feel shame, then that means that you have empathy, right? right? Versus this idea of like maliciously kind of like busting through life and not having any repercussions of it. Right. That's a different story, right? But I would say like 99% of humans have both shame and empathy mm -hmm. and it's kind of battling against each other all the time. Mm -hmm. Lily, what do you, I mean, I'm just like sort of curious about, I don't want you guys to give away anything too big that you might work on further in Our your celebrity episodes. guest stars. <laughs> <laughs> Brene Brown is going to be on their podcast. Lily and Danielle have, it just seems like a really, really special relationship. And so I sort of wondered, like, was there one just topic that just really made you think like we have to do this like just one thing you don't have to go too deep but I just wonder like well I mean Danielle probably has a different answer to this than I do but I think that for me Danielle and I became friends at a really interesting time in my life where I was going through a lot of stuff exploring like who I am and kind of grappling with that. Um, and she saw me through like one of the worst relationships that I've ever been in, uh, that I actually hold a lot of shame for ever having gotten myself into that situation. It was a really emotionally abusive person. And I always thought I was too smart for that and too feminist for that. And, um, but you know, I found myself in that and Danielle really was like my rock through that. And we had so many conversations that helped me realize that like, this wasn't my fault. And through that type of healing and, you know, going to therapy also, <laughs> uh, like I also came out of the closet at that, like right after that. And so for me, I was just holding on to a lot of stuff. So we've had so, so many conversations about just like the deep, parts of my shame. So I think that that really spurred it for me. Wow. Yeah. It's, and I, it's, it's like always like every time you talk about that, like my heart just gets so full because I, I hate to think of you thinking of yourself in any way that you were, it was like an imposition for me because honestly, like she's, you're whip smart. I mean, and like, I, it's, it's so crazy to me that, um, you know, women who are in a, relationships that are abusive or in a situation like that, they have to suddenly think like, like what was wrong with me? That it's like nothing. Manipulative, crazy people exist, you know, and they're really good at being manipulative and horrible. But to circle back to your question, I think that just similar to kind of piggyback off of what you said, I think a lot of like what our friendship is kind of born out of is this kind of recognition in each other that we just kind of want to move forward. There's like an evolution there. And like a lot of our conversations, it always got pushed further. It was always kind of like, it went beyond of like what the topic that we were having and just kind of like, yeah, how do we relate this on a macro level? Or 
I, I'm trying to avoid saying something, so I'm just going to say it. I'm tripping on my words because I'm like, we, we would go deep, man. Yeah. <laughs> We'd put on write-on jams and go, yeah. no, no. No, but seriously, we would. We would start talking about something like seemingly surface, then we would like kind of step toes further and further in until we were talking about like our childhoods and like being latchkey kids and like how we grew up and the things that we witnessed and all of that stuff. And it just, it ended up morphing into just like, I trust you. Yeah. And it was like, it was super fast. And we always talk about that, how fast it happened. Mm -hmm. Like it was just kind of like we started talking and then we just haven't stopped for the last however many years it's been. Yeah, so we might as well start recording it. Yeah. <laughs> Other latchkey kids, I feel so much better. Yeah. yeah. yeah I don't even know what that means. <laughs> what does latchkey mean? So it's um, essentially it's a kid who, like when we were growing up, your parents weren't home when you would get home. Latchkey. Yeah. yeah. So, and then you would wear like a key or on a string. You know, the thing was like a string around your neck. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I was given a keychain that I kept in like a, certain like thing in my backpack and I had it in a pocket in my backpack yeah me too and then like I would get home and take care of my younger sister and then do that until my mom got home yeah I always think of it as like for me just basically raising yourself but yeah yeah it is I mean for most of the time you're alone yeah. Latchkey kid is just basically like a euphemism for like, I was raised by wolves. <laughs> like, or raised by television in my case. <laughs> yeah. MTV, thank you very much. Yeah. MTV. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for explaining that. I didn't even, I heard it like latched key, not latch key, but that makes a lot of sense. And that's interesting that three out of the four. I feel a lot less shame. I'm serious. <laughs> yeah. No, that's like bothered me a lot. Really? <laughs> Just being a latchkey kid and the idea of, like, going home and, like, yeah. Well, there's shame there, too, because you're alone and there's there's no modeling for behavior. And so you're just kind of self-regulating. So whatever you're doing, you don't know if it's right mm-hmm. or wrong. So, I mean, I look back on some of the – especially because I had a younger sibling who was seven years younger than me. So, like, and I was super young and it's, like, and I was supposed to be parenting and I look back on that time and I'm, like, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. I should have never been put in that role. But there's so many of us out there who were. Oh, yeah. And you form weird habits as a latchkey kid, too. Like, there are times now where I'm home alone and I, like, make really weird snacks because, like, I'll just find whatever in the cupboard. Like, I can fully, as a grown-ass adult, go to the store and find something, like, actually edible. But, like, I just have this mentality that, like, I can't leave. I need to scour the cupboards and, like, make weird bean toast jam (laughs) situations, you know? It's like, (laughs) what is this? Yeah, that's latchkey kid life. But that's also like survival. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. But so also true. look at look at how well we all turned out. I know. Yeah. yeah, maybe there's something to be said for it. The self-sufficiency. I actually think there might be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You grow up quick. I mean, for better or worse, which is something, you know, I talk about a lot in sessions because so many people are parentified at such a young age, you know, in so many levels that it's kind of like Yeah. I mean, whoa, that's a whole shame topic right there. Mm -hmm. The idea of, you know, being parentified and looking back and feeling shame about things you did as a kid and having to zoom out and kind of say, but wait, you were a kid, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't have that experience. My parents were very present. They were both teachers at the high school that I went to. 
But that added like a, a real crazy dynamic for me because I went to like a really prestigious preparatory school outside of Boston. I was there for free because my parents worked there. We lived in faculty housing. Mm-hmm. And so I always felt like an outsider and then zoom into my family system and all three of my parents and my sister, the other three family members are all incredible artists and I have mm. no artistic ability in that sense. Mm. And so I was like, I don't have any belonging, right? Like I was like, I can't belong into my family system in the same way. I can't in my school, like I'm neither a day student nor a boarder nor a rich kid, but like, and it was just, and I like that messed me up for a really long time. Yeah. Um, and I finally through therapy have started to like let go of it and be like, it's not, what was I going to do? Like, yeah. like not, I didn't have the resources to fix that situation at the time. So did, get through it. did you ever end up finding something that like was kind of yours or that you fit in with, or was it kind of like you were a loner, but you enjoyed doing it? Yeah. I, um, started like therapy group things at high school. So I'm like oh a really God. big nerd, <laughs> but yeah, I joined the, it was called, uh, sex which was like student educating the community about sex. Mm. Um, And so I was a part of that. And I was also in the like liaison between students and the counseling center to like help kids go so there wouldn't be as much stigma. So I like knew my skill set from a very young age um, and just like amplified that. Um, And I also had friend groups in like lots of different ways, right? So Mm. I had my like faculty kid friend group. I had my like theater kids friend group. I had my like therapy crew um, and kind of just floated around. And that was my way of, I think, getting some semblance of control. Yeah. Or like finding your community. Yeah. Hmm. Who else wants to share about their shame? <laughs> I, it's so funny because like I just, it's podcasting is, um, I mean, I listen to a ton of podcasts, but this is my first time being on the other end. Mm-hmm. And like that moment of silence that we just had, I just want whoever's listening to know there was this beautiful moment where four women at the table just all kind of nodded, <laughs> like knowingly at each other, like, yeah. Also like, <laughs> who's going to speak next? <laughs> I don't know. That was the moment. Let's hold that. Let's hold that space. And it's so true. I mean, like in normal conversation, there's lulls mm-hmm. and that's yeah. fine. But when you're podcasting, you have to be like so hypervigilant about it because if it's like more than, I think there's some rule if it's more than like six seconds then it becomes like people think that their phone got messed up um because it's not they're so used to just that snappy conversationalist yeah. but it's so normal I'm and like, you know it's funny because I don't know yet I feel like I, I'm nervous for you already because all I've wanted to do this whole podcast is make so many bad jokes like so many bad <laughs> jokes make them to my please make some no, well like when she was saying when you said the name of the group was sexed and I, I I wanted to say so you were sexting before it was cool do you know what I mean like I, no, no. and I'm like I don't know and then and then also the term latched key kid we could maybe use that for kids who are like have attachment and blocking yeah. issues latched key see I'm telling you I'm just maybe this will be my my uh parlay into comedy yeah. yeah no but I think that that logo for like sexting before it was cool I feel like I should email my high school and tell them that that should be their logo yeah oh. For sure. <laughs> Kids will think it's funny. Cutting edge. Yeah. yeah. Sexting. So now they like course. Snapchat sex. They don't even sex. Which is just like mind blowing <laughs> yeah. to me. Oh Lily keeps me young though, because I don't understand any of like what's going on. I just saw Lily's my- the hip one. Oh, Which is yeah. ironic because I'm older than you. <laughs> you know, I just saw my niece and nephew in New York and 
they were talking about what they, I asked them what they watch on TV and I immediately felt like somebody should bring grandma her walker. And then they were like, do you mean like Netflix? And I said, yeah. And they're like, well, we mostly watch YouTube. And I was so relieved because all I've really done on YouTube is watch some makeup tutorials, but Lily loves YouTube. I watch a lot of YouTube. Yeah. So, which I used to feel shame about. I just have like music video YouTube parties. What about you? What do you do with YouTube? Oh, I watch a lot of vlogs. Um, yeah. She watches like the programming, like the kids do. I the see. kids, you hear? You hear, <laughs> Grandma? You yeah. kids? No, but I'm like you. I'm like YouTube's for like, I'm going to find that old Designing Women episode yeah. I want to watch. Because, by the way, where is Designing Women? Unrelated but relevant. Um, <laughs> and that's what I use YouTube for, but they're like entire series. Yeah. I mean, I watch less. I mean, I watch some programs, I guess. Yeah. Like I watch Rhett and Link and stuff, but a lot of it's just blog or vlogs because I like listening to people talk about their lived experience. And actually that was one of the biggest things that helped me like grapple with my own sexuality was subscribing to a lot of other like lesbian YouTubers and hearing them talk about mm. their, and that helped me actually come out at like 35. So <laughs> yeah, it was like, I think that that is something that I love about YouTube is that it's also kind of doing that same work of just like, hey, I'm going through this and I'm talking about it on the internet to like anybody who can, who wants to listen. And I think that there's just something so powerful in that and these younger generations, especially. And I was like, I need to get in on that. Like, that is really awesome. And it, you know, everybody has their own individual story, which I think is really cool, even though like the overarching themes might be the same. I just follow individual people because I'm drawn to them as people. So I think that like, that's, yeah, sorry. Got no, deep on YouTube, no. <laughs> but yeah, that's what I like it for. That's incredible. I mean, I think that there is so much, like as much as technology and social media and all of these things can be really toxic. I also think that it can be used for such good. And like, again, with this access idea of, podcasts that talk about all sorts of mental health issues mm -hmm. or whatever might be, or even physical health issues, YouTube for people to be able to relate to in the privacy of their own home, or if they don't have anyone to talk to, right? It's not that you're having, I mean, podcasts are your solo listening usually, same with YouTube, but you feel that connection. Yeah. Um, I mean, especially with some of the podcasts I listen to, it's like, I feel like they're sitting on the couch next to me. Totally. Um, and that's what I hope that this is doing too, is we kind of can model that adult women can have conversations that aren't super easy to have. And we stumble over our words and we don't always know what to say. Um, and we don't, me and I never plan out the episodes. We really want them to be conversational. So I'm lazy. I'm lazy. <laughs> yeah. And that too. <laughs> I cannot be bothered. <laughs> Got too much else to do. Yeah. Um, but so that you guys can see like the realness of it. And yeah. hopefully someone out there can connect to that versus those like very edited, very professional versions. Well, I think that there are certain things that have happened on in traditional media that have been really like made like global splashes or been really important. But I think that the thing that I like that's happening more now is because like the keyword now is authenticity. So it's mm -hmm. like just sitting around and having imperfect conversations is way more authentic than, yeah, this super scripted, overproduced, like 15 Hollywood producers are telling you like what you can and can't say. So everything gets super watered down. And I feel like, you know, representation still matters in those media, but yeah. it's way more interesting and dynamic and probably why like the youths are watching more of like YouTube and listening to podcasts. It's because it's just more real. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's kind of reflecting back something that's more relatable to them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think, yeah, it's kind of, I, I'm glad we got on the topic of YouTube, actually, because that's another one of those kind of like shame busting media outlets where it's a place where you can turn to find people like you're talking about who are just kind of maybe putting out a message that you need to hear or, you know, and in some ways I, I really wish that it had been around when I was younger, because I feel like now if there are certain niche things that you're interested in or curious curious about or do people live this way? And if so, how do they live? I mean, I was raised in a tiny town in Southern Louisiana, right between Louisiana and Mississippi. And I mean, I remember one time I wore a skirt over jeans because I saw it in like a magazine and I got hell. They were like, burn the witch at the stake, (laughs) you know? Um, But I mean, it just, I think about now like mass media, I mean, just this idea of the accessibility of feeling like if you wanted to explore something, an identity, who you are, something new, there's way more ways to do it. And it's not just flipping through a magazine. It's a person staring back at you and saying, yeah, I'm doing this and I'm getting a lot of shit for it, but this is why I'm doing it. And there's camaraderie there. It's like I said, the community of empathy, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's there. Yeah. And I think there's even things on there. Like, uh, one of my clients just told me about ASMR. Yeah. yeah. And like all about crazy. It. <laughs> it's, great. it's, you know, it's not my, it makes me feel very uncomfortable <laughs> because I am very sound sensitive. And so like hearing someone chew is like literally my worst nightmare. Are you familiar with this? Oh, yeah. 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 But it's so awesome that that is super helpful for people. Like it helps people with insomnia and anxiety and all of these things. So it's like the fact that that's accessible and they don't have to pay or go to some like shady yeah. spot to hear someone do whatever they so need to we hear. Should ex- we should explain what it is in case. Lily, you I'm, should explain. I'm looking at you, Lily. Oh, I'm trying to remember what the actual, it's like autonomous sensory meridian response, I think is what it stands for. And it's basically like people get triggered by certain types of sounds. And it could be lots of things from like tapping to whispers to like watery sounds to people chewing, which is not my thing. Um, But it just uh, produces this like warm, calm. A lot of people get like tingles in the back of their like head sort of. And I think that a lot of people have felt really strange about that because it seems like a kink or like something sexual when it's really not. It's much more of a relaxation tool than anything else. It's very soothing. It's almost like, yeah, like being a baby and having your mom like coo to you or whatever. It's Mm. it's similar to that. Uh, So I think that, yeah, like I have, I I guess I, I don't know if you have it or if you just start triggered by it. I don't know, but I definitely react to ASMR sounds and I, didn't even know it was a thing until I saw YouTube videos. And then it made me recognize why I have loved Bob Ross my entire life. (laughs) Because the paintbrush sounds on the canvas and his soothing voice. Like I used to just like record on VHS kids, Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) like Bob Ross episodes and just watch them over and over again and like lay on the couch and just be like, I'm so soothed right now. It's like the great British baking show now. Yes, (laughs) I love that show. They're so nice to each other. No, and they just- They really are, they're not cutthroat. They gotta watch it. It'll give you the warm and fuzzies. Good, I need warm and fuzzies. The best, like if you've had like a really shitty day or if you're feeling sick to just like put it on, you don't even need to pay attention they're making like really random things like cupcakes and trifles and mm-hmm. but they're just so lovely to each other and it's not like crazy competition I'm thinking it might be a really good cure for that like 2 3 a.m existential crisis in the middle of yes. the night okay yeah because that that's like the devil who's been with me since like age 13 like the whole like 
waking up at 2 a.m. and like your heart's racing and you're just like, I'm going to die. And then you're like, oh, I have 5,000 things to do. Let's catalog that. No, let's do something more important. Let me catalog everything I've done wrong and said awkward (laughs) since age 12. That'll be fun. (laughs) Let's relive that right here tonight in the bed. So that would be a good time to maybe jump over to British Baking Show and watch someone make a shortcake. Yeah. Can we talk about those wake-ups? Because I know I have them. What? The wake-ups in the middle of the night oh, and goes the midnight scare. No, it's awful. And I'm like, I will sometimes be able to like step out of it and be like, why, why do I care about the time when I waved to someone and they weren't waving at me <laughs> yeah. 14 yeah. years ago? Yeah, like, I don't know. What? I had a therapist because, you know, I've talked about it a lot in therapy. And um, I had a therapist explain it to me the best I, explanation I've gotten is it's fight or flight, right? You wake up in the middle of the night, you're not neurologically prepared, right? So your response is fight or flight. So your brain goes into kind of what would be panic mode. So even though you think you're calm, your brain's still cycling at a pace that's elevated. So it's anxious thoughts and then you're going there. And so I don't know if that's true. I'm going to stick with it. But there's a cartoonist that I really love, Dan Meth, and he has this great illustration of a guy laying in bed tucked in the covers and there's this kind of like looming monster and the looming uh, monster as, um, what is the, oh no. Well, it's called the dread hour anyway, long story short. So he's like tucked in and it's like the dread hour. And um, yeah. I love that. Andrew. Oh, Andrew. (laughs) You can leave all of this in, by the way. I just, I like Andrew being a safe word for myself. Wonderful. But I feel like we absolutely could like substitute in whatever the Dan Meth uh, monster is saying for like shame, because like that's a vulnerable shame hour, right? Because then all you do is sit there and perseverate on all of the shit that you feel like either guilty or embarrassed or shameful about. And it's either like existence. Yeah. The monster is existence. existence. Okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's do this again. Grandma's grandma's brain's working again. <laughs> Tucked in bed. Monster is existence, and it's called uh, the dread hour. And the guy in bed is saying it's three in the morning, and I is scared. And it's like that's the dread hour. That's when that whole like yeah, why why go there? And there's nobody to talk to, maybe too. So it's not like it's waking hour where you could just be like, you know, text somebody or call somebody on the phone or turn to your partner. It's like. 3 a.m. Nobody's around. No one's around. And even if I tried to wake my husband up at 3 a.m., I am not going to get my best version of him. Nope. Do you no. know what I mean? I'll get yelled at if I wake him up, which then I'm like, oh, God, now we're going to get divorced because he yelled at me. <laughs> yeah, because you're in that mode because yeah. it's the spin cycle of horror and everything is terrible. Yep. And you're like, his eyebrow moved in a certain way, which means he's definitely going to divorce me. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then you also feel weird just like getting up and doing anything at that hour too. Yeah. Because it's like, this is not a normal time for me to be cleaning the house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and I feel guilty about watching television or like mm-hmm. reading because I'm like, oh, now you're going to do an activity instead of being productive and going back to bed. Congratulations. You've made another great decision. <laughs> you know, it's like, but no, such now. Yeah. God, she's such a bitch at 3 a.m. <laughs> Um, but now I think I'm just going to watch the British baking show. Now I have an album. Yeah, yeah. It's delightful. Okay. Or maybe, you know, your favorite podcast or something. Does anyone here, what are our favorite? I want everybody to name one favorite podcast. We all have the so same we, I think one. we all have the same one. So, yeah. Me, but you need to start listening to it. Shout out to My Favorite Murder if well, you guys um, yeah, uh, ever want to have us on your podcast. <laughs> yeah, we're free. Yeah. <laughs> we'd be delighted. We could do some, um, you know, armchair diagnoses, psychoanalysis of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. So my favorite murder is um, a favorite 
the I, spinoff, or I guess it's not a spinoff, but on their network, um, have you started listening to Murder Squad yet? I listened to the first episode that it's they released on it. Pretty good. It's really good. It's very different because it's, you know, not comedy. And like Paul Holes and Billy Jensen are very serious. But it's really interesting because it kind of like, it capitalizes on sort of that like interest in true crime, but it gives you actionable things to kind of do, mm. like help them solve the crime or like figure out who like some of these victims who are unnamed might be and like give them their names back. And I just really like that whole like community sort of action element of yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And really like cool. Paul's whole, Paul Hall's voice alone yeah. is worth listening it's to. I mean, great. speaking of like that warm, fuzzy feeling, what is it? E-S-M- ASMR. ASMR. My ASMR is Paul Hall's voice. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it's just, it's so like deep and reassuring. And to know that he was like this former kind of like law guy, you know, detective and he's yeah he's got like authority in his voice so when he talks i'm just like he knows he found the golden state killer i'll have you know (laughs) yeah it is interesting though because i was i forget who i was talking to i don't hope it wasn't a client shame Um, (laughs) but i was talking about lots of the podcasts i listen to and they're all tend to be true crime and they were like are you okay like, what's, <laughs> we need to talk about this? Like, what's happening? Um, and I was like, because I have a lot of anxiety about death and about, like, bad things happening. Like, I'll in my waking hour, I'll lay in bed and be like, okay, so if there's a fire, how are we going to get out of this apartment? Like, do you think we would survive if we jumped down to the next patio? Like, it's like my brain goes. And so yeah. the fact that I listen to true crime is actually very soothing to me. Mm. So I'm like, I know bad things happen and they're talking about it. And it's I don't exposure. Have to, yeah, yeah. I don't have to, like, sit it inside of me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. True crime is interesting because like it was something I I I guess I never really felt bad about, but I was always kind of drawn to because it was, it almost seemed like a preventative measures Mm -hmm. kind of thing. It's almost like, oh, if I listen to enough of these stories and I hear enough of this, Mm -hmm. then I'll know. And that's why my favorite murder really resonated with me was because I was like, oh, finally, like, other women who were like, yeah, and did you hear what she did to get away? Or like, oh, this happened. It's like, give us some tips. Stay sexy and don't get murdered. Exactly right. And I get tips and tips from, uh, no, tips and uh, things from Nicole Byer. Why won't you date me? That's my favorite podcast. I've I've listened to it a few times. Yeah, Yeah. If I'm ever lonely or deeply depressed, that's what I'll listen to. And it makes me feel a lot better. She's on Tinder and many other dating sites. And then she has guests on and asks them why they won't date her. Is that the Nailed It? Yes. I love her. Yeah, another that's, great baking. That's show. our dream person. Yes. We want to put her on our chest. Manifest. Show. manifest. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm sorry to digress. I just wanted to know your guys' favorite. That's a good yeah. question. It's a favorite. and it's soon to be your guys' podcast. Oh, yes. so uh, we actually are talked our time through. I know that went really quick. Um, so to finish up, I always want to let people know where they can find you guys, find your podcast um, and all that jazz. So whatever information you guys want to share for our listeners, that would be super great. So you can find us on Instagram and uh, Twitter at um, ShamePod. At um, and then our website, shamepod.com. Um, and that's where you can find links to the podcast and kind of information about us. And if we get ambitious, maybe we'll, you know, put some links and articles up uh, mm-hmm. after each episode. Resources, if you will. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That's yeah. really I'm, I'm coming in hot. We'll yeah. see. We'll see how that turns out <laughs> yeah. and how much time. Yeah. That's awesome. Do you have a projected 
time that people might be able to hear the first episode? Is that too crazy to ask? No, we were just talking about this um, while we were doing things instead of podcasting. We mm-hmm. were talking about when mm-hmm. we should put the podcast out. Um, and we were saying maybe the end of the summer. Yeah. We want to have like several ready to go kind of. What we're doing right now. Yeah. Yeah. So this is probably going to come out in like eight weeks from now. So it's kind yeah. of middle, end of summer. So maybe okay. by that point, yeah, it will be available. And you yeah. guys can check. I'm hoping maybe like by the end of July. Yeah. yeah. Mid-July maybe. We can't thank you guys enough so much. We can't thank you enough. You guys really made it happen, honestly. And you guys are naturals. You guys killed it. Oh, thanks. thanks. So you should have nothing to be worried about. Can't wait. Can't wait. So thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening. This has been Breaking Down the Podcast with Mia and Edie. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. It really helps us out. And as always, if you have questions, concerns, or comments, you can reach out to us via Instagram at miaswag3gs at edstarktherapy or at breaking down the podcast. Thanks so much. Have a great day, guys. Bye-bye.